Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And today we're going to be talking all about government and how it intersects with the physician community, healthcare. And with that, I have a special guest, um, Richard Howard. And he's going to talk to us all about this fascinating area with um government, cracking the code, contract. It's highly complex, highly convoluted. So I brought him in to enlighten us. So um, Richard, welcome. Well, thanks for having me today, Chris. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Um, We connected through Podmatch and tell the audience about your bio, your background, we can, how they can, the listeners can get more out of you. Sure. Uh, So I spent 20 years in the Air Force. I was an officer in the Air Force. Flew the first half of my career, and uh, maybe relevant since the physician's podcast. My son ended up uh, getting a rare form of cancer about halfway through, which um, which brought us up to Boston so he could be treated. Um, mm-hmm. And he's doing great. Um, however, there's no flying base uh, in the Boston area. Hanscom Air Force Base is, is where we were stationed, and that's an acquisitions base. So at that point, I switched uh, professions within the military to become an acquisitions officer, mm-hmm. um, and that's the profession of putting companies on contract for the government. And so mm-hmm. thus, thus began my journey through the, the complexities of federal acquisitions regulations. But it, it was essentially my job to take requirements from the government. Hey, we want to fix X or we need some, you know, whether it's physicians or lawyers or accounts, whatever it was, we need to solve this problem set. We have this amount of money. Go make it happen. Right. So and, and there's a, there's obviously a lot we can talk about in that. But uh, retired in 2019. And uh, certainly uh, if there's if one thing that I know uh, from my experience uh, in the military, and of course now uh, helping uh, businesses and business owners, is that small businesses struggle to sell to the government, and also aren't aware of the opportunity that's there. So yeah. uh, that's something that I wanted to focus on. So we typically are working with small, medium-sized companies um, that just have great services, great solutions, and um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to diving into it with you. Yeah, um, can you explain the benefits of selling the U.S. government? Well, sorry, selling to the U.S. government as a small business and how it can positively impact the company's growth. Yeah, absolutely. So th- there's a lot of benefits. And of course, we can talk about the challenges too, right? But the benefits are that uh, government contracts tend to be more lucrative and they tend to be large. They tend to be stable. They also can increase the valuation of your business. And so uh, a lot of our clients have either wanted to sell their company in five years. So we'd go after those or venture capital companies also are interested in that. Um, but it it also is a a flow of income that's separate from the regular economy in a sense. So when we have like we're in a challenging time where interest rates are rising and whatnot, you can have that government contracting funding that is still coming in. You know, if you're a three year five year contract, that's that's money that you could probably count on. So a lot of times that can offset they offset each other. Right? If we were going to talk about just I think the opportunity, right? And this is I think the piece that most people uh, or most businesses are unaware of. So 
we always hear about the big defense contractors and the big companies that are selling to the government, but we don't hear too much about the small businesses. So the U.S. government is required to buy from small businesses, and uh, they have standards that are set by the SBA, and it's, it varies by agency, but it's around 23%. So if you think about the fact that roughly a quarter of uh, the discretionary budget needs to go to primary contracts with small businesses, and then you think about how many businesses are actually selling to the government, it's, it's less than half of 1% of all small businesses in the U.S. are selling to the government even though the biggest purchaser of goods and services in the world is required to spend, you know, 23% roughly on uh, on those type of businesses. And, and the thing is, it's it's been going down over the past 10 years, fewer and fewer small businesses have been engaging in the process. The government's spending more and more money year over year, um, you know, as a rule. So uh, that's kind of where we are. A, a few small businesses have cracked the code. Most aren't engaging and the government buys everything to include you know, physicians and, and healthcare services. Yeah, I was, you just you hit on a point. Whenever I thought about government contracts, I thought about, you know, um, defense, you know, Halliburton, all these, and then uh, like pharma institution, educational institutions. Um, so, yeah, so this, you highlighted some of the common misconceptions that small businesses have. So, you know, let's say uh, a lot of the audience out there are, they're small business owners and they want to partner with the government uh, have the government as a um, as a as a customer client. So, what are some of the key factors that government agencies consider when selecting vendors, and how can how do they propose to the government to get this funding? Sure. So, if we think about uh, the uh, the government process or the government contracting process, I think for a small business owner. What I would advise is when you're, and you, by the way, like, you know, when we're on, uh, you mentioned resource. So like we have dodcontract.com and dodcontractacademy where we go in, in depth and you can listen to the podcast for free if you want to, but um, if you want more in depth, but, you know, I think as a general rule, don't try to understand like the, the, the thousands of federal acquisitions regulations uh, when approaching this, right? Um, think about it from this point. Um, the government can't cannot buy things the way you and I buy things, right? So um, if I want to buy a Toyota, I can go to my buddy's dealership down the street and buy the Toyota because I like him. But the government, in most cases, can't do that, right? They want to, most of the, uh, the regulatory um, uh, things that exist are trying to ensure fairness and competition and basically preventing corruption. And so this is from kind of the birth of the country. That's what's generated all of the, the regulation here. But um, that being the case, there is a process. Um, maybe I'll start by how companies fail, right? So in, in a lot of them do, uh, but it's it's not it's not because they're bad companies. It's just because they don't understand the process. So uh, Sam.gov, that is the website where you register your business to sell to the government. That's where the solicitations for the most part are coming out. What a lot of companies do when they discover that there's money being spent here, whether you know we could talk about the different physicians things that they, uh, they're purchasing, but what they do is they discover Sam.gov, they register their business, which isn't, is, it's not particularly difficult. It takes a week or two to get all your codes. Uh, but once you're registered, a lot of businesses will see, because it's the same portal where they'll see requests for proposals and requests for quotes. Mm -hmm. And they'll see in there that the government is uh, requesting, you know, hey, we want five physicians to um, on a three-year contract at Hanscom Air Force Base, let's say. I'm making that up, right? But and Or maybe pediatrician services, or maybe someone to come in, you know, half a day, once a week to do, to advise or provide psychology, whatever it is. 
say, hey, well, we can do that. We're in the area and we have, you know, we're licensed, we, we have all that. So now they're engaging on that RFP or request for quote or request for proposal and they fail, right? And so what we, what we see is a lot of companies, we see a lot of companies just engaging with these requests for proposals and they put a proposal together, which isn't a, a, a short-term process. I mean, that could be a complicated process depending on how big the contract is that you're going after. Mm. Uh, and they're they're losing and then they start but the kind of the comments i'll hear as well it's rigged or <laughs> it, it looks like the solicitation was written for my competitor uh -huh. um, so i'm just not winning well yeah it's not rigged but the solicitation may have been written for your competitor okay so i think it's important when you when you see the request for proposal come out or the request for quote at that point, the handcuffs are on the acquisition shop. Most people in the government can't buy anything. So you have to be a warranted contracting officer uh, to uh, commit funds on behalf of the government. And there's usually a program team, a program management team behind them that's really in charge of the effort the requirement and the money. And when that solicitation comes out, they need to be very careful not to show any undue preference to you or to anybody else that's engaging. So if you were to ask a contracting officer questions about the services, right? Like, hey, do you, there are specialties like X, Y, and Z that you're looking for? Well, they might not answer you or they might only answer in a public way, right? Through mm -hmm. Sam. But before that, before that solicitation comes out, we're in the market research phase. And so this is what I would tell your, your audience to try, I'm trying to make it simple, but that market research phase is where the government is just trying to figure out how to solve the problem, right? So as a program manager, I can remember as a new program manager, the government would give me a problem set and I would have to talk with other companies to figure out, like, I don't even know what's going to be in the solicitation. Your, your program manager is not going to be a physician on the other side. Most likely that person's going to just be an expert at government contracting, right? So they might not even know exactly what they need. And so they're going to be talking with different small businesses in the area to, this is where we decide if we're going to set something aside for a small business. This is where we decide what's going to be in the solicitation itself, right? You might have different certification that your outfit has that maybe your competitors don't. This is sometimes where you find a sole source contract. Like if you are the only one with the specialty we need, you know, that might not even be competed, right? That's going to be rare, but uh, this is a long way of saying we're, we're operating here and we're shaping how the government's going to buy from you. We're shaping what the requirement is, and that's going to end up uh, with you much more likely to win a contract. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I was uh, I have a research I have a research background and uh, look for you had to go to um, you know the website look for proposals for solicitations for grant funding and um, mm -hmm. you know the whole process was quite convoluted and nobody knew exactly what they wanted and sometimes there's allegation of bias and um, you know if physicians are listening to this and they said okay um, what types of um, you know they're interested in you know submitting a proposal for funding you know what what areas for physicians could they could they look at and where would they go to sure. to find these opportunities yeah just in you know before coming on the podcast i just brought up some of research tools i use to kind of look through this and this is just an example of some of the things they're looking for right but uh, just to give you um kind of an overview so over what am i looking at the past five years the government and has spent $18.9 billion on just contracts with physicians and people providing those type of services. Mm. Um, now that spiked, that spiked during COVID. Um, and so it, it, on average, it looked like it was somewhere between three and 5 billion a year with a huge spike during like 2020 timeframe. Some examples, but that's still a considerable amount of money that they're spending each year. Um, and when I look at some of the ex uh, examples of contracts and what they're looking for, 
I've got uh, anesthesiologists' offices, allergists, family physicians, healthcare screening, immunologists, internists, cardiologists, clinical pathologists, dermatologists, forensic pathologists, gastroenterologists. I'm probably gynecologists. I'm probably pronouncing some of these wrong, but um, and this is just under this is just under spending that is not related to uh, mental and healthcare. That's a whole different bucket of funding, and there's certainly spending there. Um, you know, I think one way to look at this too is just thinking with the DOD, um, and we help companies in all areas, but the Department of Defense is, they usually account for about half of the small business spending, if not more. Um, and for those that haven't been on a military base, you know, every military base is actually a small town or city, and it has all the infrastructure that a regular town or city is going to have, including a hospital. And so, you know, I can remember, you know, with my service, we certainly have military doctors, but all the time, we would also have uh, physicians, local physicians coming in, in a lot of different specialties to maybe not even full time, they might just be there a couple of days a week or for half days or, you know, um, so there, there's lots of different areas. And, and that was just a sample. I'm sure there's some, uh, there's other going to be examples of other areas. But um, those are examples of some of the things that the government's looking for. And, you know, just, you know, the spending just tells us that there's a healthy amount of spending going on in this area. Uh, and then, uh, so it sounds like, you know, the whole gamut and it sounds like there's a, if there's a significant need or a significant problem. So, and then talk about, you, you get the, you're awarded these contracts. Um, talk about some of the requirements, reporting requirements, you know, renewal, cause you know, a lot of these emerging areas are new. So, you know, the government may say, oh, um, we're not interested in that. We're going to move to something else. Tell us more about like keeping, um, compliance in a regulatory manner. Sure. Well, first, let me say that every contract's a little bit different, right? We could probably just talk about regulation and compliance for the entire, <laughs> entire podcast. But uh, I will say that if you're thinking about government contracting, and, and I'm not sure, probably a, a lot of your listeners kind of vary on the scale of I'm just looking to supplement my income a little bit to maybe I'd like to do this almost exclusively. You got to realize that the government, first of all, can cancel a contract. Uh, or not renew, right? So you might land a one-year contract or a three-year contract with the government. And let's talk about how we continue that, right? The key to continuing that is, and I, I tell everyone this, despite all the regulation, it's all about relationships, right? So like your, your number one goal when you're trying to sell to the government is to get meetings. It's not to respond to RFPs and just write a, a link. <laughs> so if you can operate in that market research phase, like I described, and you're meeting with, you might be meeting with the physicians in some case, medical doctors in the government side, or just the program office, right? Depending on who the, the point of contact is, but that's where you're going. They're going to learn about you. You're going to learn more about the effort. And it, it, it continues when you're on contract with the government. So um, when you're on contract with the government, you may be billing the government. There are different systems where you're going to uh, bill them if it's it's based on the time that you're spending in there, and they're going to have a turnaround uh, to pay you. You might also have other doctors or physicians that you're putting in there if you have a team. Um, and, and I might add, there's you could expect like a 30 to 90 day turnaround time on the government paying you. So there are financial institutions that specialize just in funding both small and large businesses um, to basically pay their staff for government contracts and because once you have that government contract, it, there's there's not there's very few things that are going to be more stable than that. So once you've won, uh, you're going to put yourself in a position where you can work with an institution to say like make up the difference in that you know waiting for the government to pay you back um, for that 90 days or whatever it is. Um, 
But then, you know, you're also working with your, your program manager and contracting officer. So if you know that your contract is going to expire next year, um, you know, you want to have monthly or, or quarterly updates, you know, send them an email, her. Uh, sometimes government people leave. So if there's a new person in that office that's not familiar with you, just keeping that relationship going and understanding, are they thinking about making a pivot, right? Or are they going to use a, this is this is something that happens from time to time where um, everybody wants you to stay on contract, but um, maybe the government's going to use a different vehicle to do the contracting. And when I say a vehicle, I just mean that the government needs a way to put you on contract. And there are these large contract vehicles that the government utilizes um, to do some of that work. And again, it's funny, you said uh, a whole session could be on uh, regulation compliance. That's like this, that's synonymous with government. Um, can you share any success stories of small businesses that have successfully sold their products or services to the government? And what lessons can be learned from their experience to close it out? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. We could talk about, uh, for one, you mentioned that you were in research, right? So um, there's there's something called the Small Business Innovative Research uh, Program in uh, the government. That's that's for R&D, right? For, and this could be for technology products that are related to healthcare um, or, or other, right? So we have several clients that have engaged in that. Uh, one was uh, called uh, Software LLC. They just uh, put a basically a training program together for um, so special forces uh, units, and you know they relatively quickly started winning uh, small business innovative research contracts to fund uh, the development of their technology. So if that's something that any of your audience is interested in, um, like for instance, we just engaged on a uh, with another client of mine. It was a um, it was a uh, psychological. You were, it was wearable devices that was taking cognitive data. Um, and kind of translating that into actionable intel, right? And so what the government's doing there is they're paying you to develop um, a solution. So you're not, and a lot of my clients use that instead of venture capital because you own the IP, um, you know, the, the government's investing in you and you're winning your first government contract in the process, which is uh, one of those um, one of those stumbling blocks. Um, we have other clients and you, you can hear some of the interviews on DOD Contract Academy, um, you know, L2 Cyber Solutions. There was a small woman-owned business. Uh, she just recently won a large blanket purchase agreement uh, with the government, that which is really going to help expand her business and they're doing great work. So we have a lot of uh, success stories, I guess you could say, that are um, that have examples like that where, where they're doing really well. But, you know, you do have to be committed. So I, I don't want to make it sound easy, <laughs> right, to the audience. The drawback of government contracting is you do have to plan on a 12 to 18 month um, commitment to start to win your first contract, essentially. Yeah. What a fascinating way to, um, and it's really interesting, uh, this whole new area of grants contracts um, with the government. Uh, how can, if people are interested, I know you are CEO of DOD Contract, and you're also, you have a DOD Contract Academy podcast, and how can people follow you, connect with you, visit you? Um, so dodcontract.com, they can hit the website up and, you know, we have some uh, free information and articles there. They can also schedule a consultation if they want to uh, learn how, you know, we help companies kind of get into, uh, you know, get in the right path and kind of go through that step-by-step -step process. Um, also for free, DOD Contract Academy podcast, it's available everywhere. Just type that in and you'll find it. Um, and you can also, you can find me on LinkedIn. 
Um, you know, I can send you the link for that. And, uh, you know, we have plenty of reviews and uh, we also, you know, are offering um, advice and, you know, different strategies to help whether you're starting out from scratch or you've been doing it for a while, how we can optimize what we're doing and, and win more contracts. Yeah. And so for the audience out there, let's thank um, Ricky for coming onto the show, talking about this new area, very interesting, uh, very convoluted. So be sure to reach out to him for you know information. All of his resources will be in the links and show notes. And uh, with that, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. All right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you, wherever you are listening, if you liked it, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere, Spotify iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.